Hello and welcome to Being Crisis Prepared, the organisational resilience podcast from Inveroy Crisis Management. Today, I'm delighted that we're joined by three of the Inveroy team to have a discussion about things that has attracted them or that's caught their eye uh, in the news this week. And they are three of the team who have recently graduated from uh, university in different degrees and different skills, and we'll introduce them as, as we go through the call. But we'll start with a colleague, Kirsty, um, and perhaps, Kirsty, could you briefly introduce yourself and highlight something that has caught your attention in the news over the last week? Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Kirsty. Um, I've been with Inveroy now for uh, coming up to two years this month, and I'm the Inveroy Digital Manager and, and Consultant for the company. I've done a variety of work with different energy companies, uh, oil and gas sectors, uh, and national and international um, work. So yeah, I think in, there's been a lot of stuff in the news recently that has definitely caught a lot of people's attention, I think, regardless of age. But specifically, I think for the sort of early to mid 20s, um, the big thing has been definitely cost of living and and you know um, the housing crisis has been the, the two big ones, I think, especially for me. One of the biggest ones, of course, you know, cost of living is increasing at its fastest rate in nearly 40 years. And it's something you didn't really think you'd feel the impact of until you do. Um, so I think that's been definitely significant, um, along with increased food prices as well. You know, your your weekly shops are going up at quite the rate that you probably didn't expect to at the start. So, yeah, I think that's been really interesting. And the fact that we've got, you know, a new prime minister in town for the last month um, and the sort of decisions that I think she's going to make will be absolutely key uh, in what sort of helps available. Yeah, no, I, I think the really interesting point and I would guess that you know I'm sat here in mid 50s and you know, the first house I bought was in the late 80s and you know, we therefore I've seen that escalating and and interest rates and the days when people of my vintage talk about oh it was 20 percent back in the day and um well for your generation all that you have really known or been aware of is single digit and if not you know, two, three percent type figures. So when it's suddenly gone from naught point something percent to six percent, and the house price, the the average house price is already sort of you know one hundred and fifty thousand for a starter one bed flat in a in a city to get a job. Where are you ever going to find the money to be able to cover the mortgage at that sort of rate, which then puts you into the rental market, and the rental is going up like it's going out of fashion. Um, you know, and therefore, it's that ah, it seems slightly unfair that the older generation go oh you, you know, youngsters you know, they don't know they're born. Whereas, hang on a second, but you at 25 had a house and didn't have a grant to pay off your university fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and we can't even get started because we have 50 plus thousand pounds of debt for a degree. Um, yeah really challenging. Um, Marcus, what 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 do you think in that area? Is there something there that resonates? I think it also leaches into, into small businesses as well, um, which ultimately would affect young people if they're working in them. But I, I think that some of the key issues you have here with if you're talking about inflation, um, but ultimately rising in interest rates, if you've got small businesses, and I, I read an article um, this week about a business up in Scotland uh, who do timber, and they were trying to take advantage of sanctions against Russia um, bringing in timber. So the business owner was wanting to take advantage of that and, and expand his business throughout the UK. Um, but 
is really struggling to do that um, through increased uh, rates on his COVID loans that he had throughout sort of COVID to kind of tie him over the COVID crisis, but also getting mortgages to expand his business um, when you've got rising interest rates and rising cost of living. So I think it also branches into small businesses as well as just as well as just uh, ordinary people. Yeah, no, I, I think really good point, and it, it's one of those truisms that you, you, if you listen to wake up to money or whatever your your sort of monetary diet is for for information um people always talk about business just like stability and to know what's coming so that you can then make a plan and i guess that's that's the bottom line for all of us if if i know that you know, my pay this year is fixed at this and i know that my outgoings are fixed at that then i know whether it's beans on toast or whether I can put some cheese on top of my beans on toast. You know, it's that sort of low level um, financial planning that you're able to do. But if one minute you at 2% and then it's three and then it's four and then the fuel prices are going up, but you don't get a chance to negotiate your salary for another six months, that's quite a delta. And um, it's the same whether it's business or whether it's household economics, isn't it? It's it's always a challenge. Um, no, really good opening point Kirsty and uh, I think the cost of living um, you know all the the talk of support to business is is obviously fantastic um, but the other point that comes back when I think about it is someone eventually has to pay and it's all very well saying oh we'll take out this we'll we'll do this we'll get the Bank of England to pay but again it's your generation of the mid 20 to 30 year olds that will be paying my pension will be paying off these loans and you go Hmm. Yep. It's all very well increasing pensions by ten percent. Great, but someone's got to pay, and and the same with cutting household heating bills or or capping them at an average of two and a half thousand. At some point, if it, if that was a house or a business, you'd turn around and say, "What money are we getting in? What money are we spending? Am I still a viable business?" And so, if we're going to take out a loan to cover that gap, the people who are paying that loan, it's not me because I'd love to live forever, but I won't. You know, so I'm going to stop working in 10, 20 years, whatever it is. Whereas you've got 50 years of work that you're going to be paying for this, for decisions that you have no ability to influence. So it's it's interesting times, I think, on that cost of living and that the younger generation are being left with debt for quite some time to come if we're not careful. Um, but if we don't, then people are going to go without heating in the, in the, the winter. And so it's yeah, it would be lovely to wave a magic wand, wouldn't it? But um, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. good exactly. good one to start with, Kirsty. Thank you. Um, Marcus, uh, turning to you as the second member of the Inveroy team, that in order of which you joined the company, um, could you likewise do a quick introduction and identify something that you've been looking at this week in the news? Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Marcus. I have just finished my master's in international political economy uh, about a month ago. I don't graduate until November, but yeah. Uh, and I joined Inveroy in January 2022. Um, so I had had the privilege of working with Inveroy for the last while whilst I was working on my master's, which actually worked quite well, sort of getting sort of the corporate information and the uh, academic information kind of working hand in hand in some respects. Um, so that's been really good. I'm a security and threat analyst. So my role is to monitor threats that might disrupt 
businesses, primarily oil and gas um, in the UK. Uh, and my role is ultimately just to uh, forewarn them of any issues and analyse any threats that might uh, disrupt them. In terms of what I've picked up this week, I think sort of the last few weeks we've seen quite an astounding change of fortune in Ukraine and how Ukraine have managed to sort of retake swathes of uh, of their country and really put Russia on the back foot. But I think this success is sort of overshadowed by a more ominous threat that Russia might present. We've seen in recent weeks the sabotage, well, potential sabotage or leak of the Nord Stream pipeline. We've seen uh, drones in the North Sea uh, around Total's installations. And I think that what this potentially represent is Russia moving away from a traditional form of warfare towards perhaps a more hybrid form. If they are not able to assert themselves militarily on the battlefield, they potentially might resort to using other methods. And businesses and industries in the UK need to be alive to that. I think um, our energy sector and our financial sector need to be aware of the the, the real threat of of cyber attack or, or drone interference within our industries because if Russia can't win on the battlefield then they've done it before and they'll be they'll be happy to uh, resort to uh, more unconventional means so what does that mean for business well ultimately if you're if if you're not up in your cybersecurity then they could be infiltrating your systems and 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 disrupting your business ultimately for their for their gain um if they can start disrupting energy supplies then that's going to that's going to hit everyone in the UK as as we're already seeing. Yeah, and I guess we've seen the 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 articles about Nord Stream um pipeline being damaged and you know one area of damage might be um legitimate uh, erosion or you know, something a coupling not done correctly maybe but four all at the same time is beyond suspicious uh, and I think number of the nations around that that area have mobilized navy or or certainly elements of their armed forces to to offer increased protection but it comes back to that idea of you know is there a mysterious or or seemingly innocent fishing vessel somewhere in the north sea that is launching a drone to go 100 kilometers away and they claim all innocence or that drops an rov off the back and sails away and the rov plants a mine next to a a pipeline well if they can do it in the baltic they can do it anywhere so you know so what well if we're already talking about fuel shortages and lack of gas to be able to fire our power stations and potential blackouts during the winter you know, we shouldn't rely on well we're getting it from the north sea because there are vulnerabilities there i guess is what that's what Nord Stream seemed to say and if russia and president putin in particular are fighting for you know, their last ditch oh no we've annexed these four um parts of ukraine they're now russia blah 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 but we're losing on the battlefield well the gloves come off and yeah it's it it's better than nuclear warfare but it still presents a challenge to say mildly doesn't it you know and as you say the cyber threat is has always been there from state actors but suddenly raises the ante a bit as well doesn't it um lauren i'm conscious you're masters was in global security is is there anything in there that you've picked up on marcus's topic there that would be would add to that or a different perspective yeah absolutely finished my masters in global security uh last september 
So joined Inveroy recently, been here a month and a half, just to do a little introduction there. Um, but no, I think the most pressing thing I've seen in the news this week was um, the article, the BBC produced an article saying that there's potential that British households could lose power for over three hours this winter at various points due to gas supplies and that running low. Um, and that kind of comes into everything that Kirsty and Marcus have already said about the cost of living and, you know, people are already struggling and deciding when to put the heating on and whether whether they will and how much they will. And then to bring into that, then losing power completely, where does that leave, you know, people in their homes? And with Nord Stream and the sabotages that we saw last week, admittedly, you know, Nord Stream wasn't operational currently, you know, doesn't bring gas to the UK. But what if that threat does come closer to home? And, you know, that shortage, you know, starts to impact us. And how will that impact our households, people this winter when, you know, it's going to be cold and the cost of living is rapidly rising. And you know, what do we do to kind of combat that? Uh, I think there's there is a little bit of a perfect storm bubbling. And, and we don't want to be making it out you know, to be worse than it is and scaremongering. But it is it going back to a, a resilience professional's job is to look at things and say, well, what could happen? And uh, I'm always grateful to um, Lee Charles and the Jack Reacher books of Plan for the Worst, Hope for the Best, which is probably you know, most resilience professionals sort of go to phrase is if we can be aware of what what the worst case scenario is, but it doesn't happen, then that's obviously a bonus. But as soon as we start talking worst case scenario, it gets blown up out of proportion in social media. And instead of it, it could happen, people are saying it will happen. So I think I picked up that the the blackouts is one of three scenarios and you know, there are measures to hope that it doesn't happen. And you, hmm, and you say, oh, yeah, but you said hope. Well, we shouldn't be. You know, the other Mayor Giuliani quote, I think it was, is hope is not a strategy. So, OK, what are we actually going to do as a business if the power gets turned off at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, does that mean that the office closes at four o'clock or what if people are working from home? You know, I don't have a generator at home, even if the office has one. OK, so am I now saying that people have to work in the office to be able to complete a full day's work? How How is it all going to work, let alone just heating your house, cooking your dinner? Um, you know, that adage of, well, put on an extra jumper. That's OK. If you're fit and healthy and active, you can you know, run around the room to keep warm and you know, that type of idea. But if you're not more challenging or you know, what about backing up onto servers and sort of critical infrastructure that well, how does that work? When do the batteries run out in your data center or something that we used to look at quite closely was how how easy is it to get the fuel topped up on your generator? where do you do that have you actually tested your generator to make sure that when you try to turn it on in the emergency does it work does the right person have the key has that person moved to another company and hasn't passed on the information of how to use the generator because you haven't looked at it since last winter all those sorts of things but um now i think that whole piece is is a really interesting topic at the moment of oh we haven't seen candles at the table since the 70s and Right, that's coming in with, as Kirsty said, yeah, inflation that's at risk of becoming eye-watering. Um, right, so it's all beginning to build up as a bit of an issue. Something that is uh, depends on who you speak to as to what 
opinion you get. And I appreciate that this is a podcast and therefore it's difficult to, to predict. What do you think about the likelihood of protester action through the through the winter? Um, we've seen paid negotiations, you know, lots of strike action. And I always think when nurses, barristers, police are talking about strike action that I get slightly nervous. It catches the eye. Are we heading towards that sort of area, Marcus? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think certainly it's a it's a concern, and it's been a concern already before we've really sort of had the had the bite of winter. Um, over the last few months, we've had a big ramp up of strikes. Primarily, it is down to stagnation of wages, which ultimately it's difficult to uh, to solve that in the short term. But I think I see that continuing throughout uh, the winter. Um, I don't see that many people getting the the 10, 15 percent pay rises that they're asking for. And I don't see the the cost of living sorting itself anytime soon, nor do I see inflation getting uh, under wraps shortly. And the uh, the concerns with the energy prices certainly aren't aren't going away. So from from a civilian point of view, I think there's going to be a continued appetite for protests. We've seen groups like uh, Enough is Enough and, and Don't Pay UK gaining a little bit of traction with regards to um, not, not wanting to pay energy bills or demanding uh, greater salaries. But I think as well, things that people need to be aware of with regards to protests is that the climate change protesters still haven't gone away. Combine that with the cost of living protests, energy price protests, and then also threats to uh, energy supply. We've got, like you say, Matthew, a potential worst case scenario coming this winter. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting. And sorry, just on the climate change protesters there, uh, Kirsty or Lauren, is there anything there that um, has caught your eye over the last few few days and weeks? I think so. I mean, the 1st of October, so last week, was a kind of massive day for national action. We had Enough is Enough, Just Stop Boil. Uh, I think Extinction Rebellion also had plans on that day. And these were kind of national protests and they're all... All of these issues are completely interlinked. We've got the, you know, the energy prices, the climate change and the cost of living and all of these things are, they're all going to act together, you know, unite for change because they all come back together. Yeah, I think it's going to become quite an issue to kind of control all of these things. Um, And I don't see, as Marcus said, any of this change kind of happening overnight. Yeah. So Kirsty, from a, a resilience perspective, is that something that a business might need to be aware of? Is protester action and have plans in place? What, what, what do you think about the, the sort of so what um, out of that observation? Any any thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, protest has always been up there as a as a risk for businesses and organisations, no matter whether you're oil and gas or anything. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it will be in the rise. I definitely think it will be um, protesters are getting slightly more clever in the ways that they choose to protest. Yeah, they, they're using different tactics, methods that they think will grab the most media attention. So I definitely think it, it should always be on the radar. And again, like I said, not just oil and gas for, for all of those around and about. I think it's definitely going to be on, on the increase for sure. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. If it doesn't matter the cause of the disruption or the target. Um, but if you close down the centre of a city, everyone gets disrupted. You know, as we all know from you know, one accident on the road somewhere and suddenly you know, everyone's there for half an hour. Well, if you close a key junction because people have glued themselves to the tarmac or something, then yeah. you know, your 
you're not going to get to your meeting on time, you, your staff aren't going to get into the office, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's, it's all interlinked. But I think, therefore, businesses having a thought about what if is is worthwhile and and the other end of that is are we allowing or encouraging or turning a blind eye to staff who want to be involved in a protest action you know you someone says oh i'm a day off sick and then you see them on the front page of the news because they glued themselves to the tarmac well is that a discipline action now or is that a a well uh, so all of the various combinations of issues i'm sure well thank you all three for your your time and your contributions to our Being Crisis Prepared podcast. Really great to, to have you involved. Obviously, great that you're all uh, joined the company and uh, contributing so brilliantly to what we do as, as Inveroy Crisis Management. And I uh, hope you stay with us for as long as, as you possibly can. And that between us, we can come up with some solutions to these challenges that you've all highlighted. Thanks very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Cheers.